Welcome back to Mindset Win, a podcast from Red Bull that's all about sharing incredible stories from amazing human beings and professional athletes and see how we can apply their tactics to our daily lives. I'm your host, Cédric Dumont, and with me in the studio, York, Peter Kloppel, sports psychologist, head of mental performance at the Red Bull Athlete Performance Center, York. You're German. I am. Yeah, yeah from Northern Germany. Yeah. Was ice skating a big part of your life and childhood? Oh yeah, for sure. The small lakes sometimes freeze over and you can go ice skating on there or at the Christmas markets, they have little ice rings where you can skate around and stuff. Well, our guest today is Kellners. He's a Dutch speed skater. He started out at age seven and he hasn't looked back since then. And he's got three Olympic golds and a world record to show for it. I love hearing how much he progressed once he realized the potential of his own mental strength. So York, is there anything that stood out for you? What stood out for me was the fact that Kelts early on in his career didn't really believe in training the mind. He mentions how he was really talented, he was very successful. But then in the moments when it really mattered in the finals, he would always get a little bit too nervous and his emotions would take over a little bit. And only when his ex-girlfriend told him to work on this, to go and speak to someone, and he actually had that first session with a sports psychologist, and he, he mentions how he walked out of there with so much positive energy, that was really the, the turning moment in his career where he then started to work on this and managed to deal with his emotions better um, and actually be able to show his true potential in, in the really important moments. Yeah, that was a clutch moment. For sure. So we'll go a little bit deeper into that, but let's uh, hear it first from Kjeld. My name is Kjeld Nuis. I'm a professional speed skating athlete from the Netherlands. You were born in Leiden. Yeah, true. Yeah, so you could have been a DJ or a, a, <laughs> a, a rapper. <laughs> How did you get in touch with speed skating? Poor, that's a good question. When I listened to the stories my dad and my grandpa and my grandma told me, I was uh, watching the world or European champions or whatever on the television, and I saw the movement of the skaters, and I was just fascinated by it. And yeah, I tried to copy the way they moved. And uh, like with, I was this little toddler with his hands on his back, like from one leg to the other. I told my grandpa, like, can I use your skates then? And he gave me his skates and I was like with his little feet in, in, in those skates, it was ridiculous. But uh, next day my dad bought me this little four blade skates. So that's where it all started. You were skating for a while before your career took off, right? Mm -hmm. What kept you driven all that time? And what was it finally tipped the scales in, in your favor? Like. This is it. Yeah, when you start start to notice that uh, you have talent for something and you're, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old and you with the juniors, you can go to the national championship. You think, okay, I'm, I'm good, at, good at something. Of course, you want to be a top athlete, like the best of the world. But I was not that talent that I just wanted it really, really bad. I still have that. Like after winning big races and uh, being on the top spot of the world championship or, or the Olympics, I still feel every day that I want to improve myself. And I just 
this is what I want to do. So what, what makes the difference between someone who has, okay, talent, uh, technically, physically, and who is really good and someone who is like constantly winning gold medals? I think, uh, like I said, the dedication has to be there. You have to want it really bad, but also like consistency of your, of your trainings, your, your lifestyle, your everything. And in long term, I think working really hard always wins from talent. When you're there and you won and you got that gold medal around your neck, you, you feel hunted and you want to do everything to keep improving and keep getting better. It's not easy, but you just have to keep it simple as well. How do you define success in your career? Does it come down to just winning or do you have other way yep. of, of, me <laughs> of measuring it? When I was young, you do it for the win. You look up to those guys who are on the top spot of the podium and you want to have that gold medal. And in 2012, I won my first World Cup race and five years later, Then I won my first big title. Of course, then you are really happy, but that was not the thing that, that, that keeps me moving every day. Nowadays, it's in the little things. It's get a personal best in a race that doesn't even matter. It's uh, the feeling that you skated faster than you ever did before. And then you think, okay, I'm 33 right now. I'm still there, you know, I can... Um, I can still go for the win and that that that's what success means i think it's like you're always trying to keep learning and improving every day yeah. the moment you wake up you asking yourself how can i improve myself who are the figures uh the examples in your life that inspire you the most my parents are a big part Since I was little, they brought me to the track and went to my trainings and <laughs> sacrificed a lot of their time for me. Also, my manager who keeps me uh, calm <laughs> nowadays. Like, of course, uh, after winning big races, your life starts to change a little bit. And also, besides training, there's a lot of uh, stuff going on and uh, things coming on your path. And then he uh, tries to give me as much as rest as I can. So he's a... Uh, Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing a really good job for me. We like to pick out specific examples for, like for the podcast of times where athletes have had to draw on their mental strength. Can you think of a time, maybe a, a race where like things didn't go uh, as planned? Yeah, the year of the Olympics from Sochi. I was national champion on the 1000, national champion on the 1500. I was on the first spot of the World Cup ranking so everything went well but then two weeks before the olympic qualifications i got the the flu uh, i had a big fever like 40 degrees i was in bed and i was shaky and i lost all my confidence and uh, then every day you start to think okay am i ready for these trials uh, am i good enough am i in shape enough and then Even during the race, you start to think with every push, uh, uh, is this this is this enough? Is this enough? And then you finish and then you have 0.04 seconds too slow. And uh, that was the worst feeling in my career because I felt really good that season. And then you're not allowed to go to the Olympics for your country. And um, yeah, that was a really shit moment. But I think... Maybe I if I was a little bit better mentally that I would have qualified for the Sochi. But anyway, I was um, at home 
and then um like you said in 2016 i started i think okay, this it's one and a half year to go for the next qualification and now you're gonna work on your mental part and then that's when i start how do you work your mental strength with your coach i started uh, really late uh, with taking the mental part inside of my training now that i look back it took way too long i was already some sometimes the best of the world but then on the moment i need to qualify or something like a big moment i didn't have my mind under control and i was nervous and i was scared to be nervous i was i was a little bit ashamed of those feelings going around in my head and um and then my ex-girlfriend she said and now you're going to work on the mental part because always at the, at the big moments you're not the same i already missed the olympic games um two times and then two years before pyeongchang in 2018 i i started working with a mental coach and then already after the first session i came back home with so much energy i'm not so much of a talker in a normal life about my feelings or about my fears or about my uh doubts but talking with someone about those feelings yeah i started open up i always thought just act cool and then it all go away that's not how it works and yeah. um already accepting those feelings was 50% for me then you start to work on some distractions there who can happen and what do you do with the with those and it was fun actually to work on that part yeah it's dealing with anxiety pressure yeah. and and everything that's like every elite athlete has to deal with Yeah, it was a little bit of a taboo, I think, back when we started. No one had a mental coach in my team then. Yeah, because when you talk about like sports psychology and psychology, it, it mm -hmm. sounds like a, a therapy. Yeah. And it means you have a, an issue, you have a problem. Yeah, which, exactly. Which, which is not the case. You just want to be better on every yeah. level, like mentally, emotionally and controlling your brain. Exactly. So it was a, a game changer for you. Yeah, definitely. And that's interesting. You needed an external person yeah. to point the finger and say, you need to work with someone. Would you have done this alone on your own? No. Like I said, sometimes I was ashamed of the thoughts and the feelings I had before a big race. It was not about acting tough or confident or it was just about keeping it really simple and focus on the things you have control of. And yeah, there was already half of the improvement. Hey everyone, this is Richard Deitch, and I host the sports media of the Richard Deitch Podcast. What can you expect from this podcast? Well, each week I'll have interviews and in-depth conversations with the people who bring you the sports you love, as well as roundtables with sports media reporters about television, digital, audio, radio, print, and other forms of media. If you are interested in sports broadcasting and how you watch, listen, and read about the games you love, listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Olympic trials from 2014 were the worst and the 1000 meter in Pyeongchang yeah, on the Olympics, that was the best moment. The Olympic trials of 2017, like before Pyeongchang, I was thinking about that I want to try to keep it simple and yeah, I, I raced one of the best races of my life and then I qualified for the Olympics and, uh, and on the Olympics I won the 1500 and then 11 days after I didn't even celebrate or anything. I, I, I didn't give myself the chance to, to, to enjoy that title because I needed to win that thousand meter. That was, that was my goal, that was my distance. 
I didn't last a single thousand meter race that year internationally. So I felt a lot of pressure and I was in the final pair. Um, so after 14 or 16 pairs, I, I started and I made the first false start. And then you hit the whole stadium like, Ooh. and then I was thinking, oh, when I wasn't mentally prepared for this, then I would really suck like right now. <laughs> and uh, now the only thing I was saying to myself, this just didn't happen. Just go back, do it again, make a good start. And when you hear the shot, just go. And then I had the best opening of my life. That was still the best first 200 meter of my life. 16.3 seconds on the 200. Yeah. That was all about mentally being ready for that race. What's next? Defending my title in Milan. That will be the perfect ending of a career. Like a dream. But of course, the young boys are, are, are hunting for, for, for me. And uh, every day I try to improve myself and hope that I, um, <clears throat> that I make it till, uh, till 2026 in Milan and, and still be top three of the world. Well, a lot of information, insights, super interesting conversation with Kjeld. For us and, and for our listeners, where do we start? Start by acknowledging your emotions. Or another way of putting this is become mindful of your emotions about how you feel in certain situations. That's really the starting point. To not just avoid it, to not um, neglect that there is something like negative feelings out there as well, but to really acknowledge them. We have a tendency to ignore yeah. our emotions yeah. and even to suppress them. Yeah, exactly. And there's an approach called the MAC approach, M-A-C, mindfulness, acceptance, commitment. And for me, it really starts with the first step, the, this acknowledgement, this mindfulness. And it's actually a really good exercise, but also really challenging exercise to label your emotions. A lot of people find it very difficult actually to specifically label an emotion. We can easily decide whether we like the emotion, whether it's a positive or whether it's a negative emotion, but to actually really label that emotion is, is a lot harder than we think. To really know, am I angry or frustrated or disappointed? All those little differences. So that, that would be the first step for me. And then the next step is that acceptance. So to accept that this is the emotion that I'm feeling right now and to also understand where that emotion came from. What were the reasons of that emotion coming up inside of me um, before I then, with the last step, commit. So to actually have an action. And um, in that case, it doesn't always need to be working with a mental coach, but it can also just be a friend, a partner, uh, a relative, someone that we trust and to really share our emotions as well, to tell someone how I was feeling in a certain moment or how I'm feeling right now. You know, that's something that everyone can do. We're not all Olympic gold medalists and professional athletes. However, we, we all feel nervous sometimes. Yeah. Every one of us, I think, we feel anxious. Sometimes we feel angry for something or frustrated. Yeah. Can you give us some, some examples and then how to deal with it? Yeah. And how to just, like you said, commit, take action and change a certain situation? So maybe some of our listeners are 
students um, studying for exams, you might come to a moment where you feel nervous before the exam. So first of all, just acknowledging that this this emotion is there. Okay, I'm I'm feeling nervous right now, and accepting that, and also understanding why am I feeling nervous? Is it because maybe I need to study a little bit more? Is it because uh, I haven't prepared well enough in terms of I don't know what to bring to the exam? So are there any things that I can actually do to improve the situation? But then also, you know, take that step and phone your parent or a friend or someone and, and speak to them and say, hey, I have this exam coming up and I'm, I'm feeling really nervous about it. And just having that conversation um, to give that emotion a, a really time and space to, again, further help us to acknowledge that emotion. So if I summarize, you have to acknowledge an emotion, you have to accept it and eventually share it yeah. with your parents, your partner, colleague, yeah, someone exactly. you trust. Sharing it is just one of the actions that we can do, but it's a, it's a really easy and powerful one. Um, but also on top of that, you can see if there are any ways of, of working with that emotion. So whether it's, um, like I mentioned in this example, preparing a little bit better for the exam, something like that. So really after acknowledging and accepting the emotion to really then take action to work with the emotion. But sometimes you feel perfectly prepared and you've done everything in order to succeed, but still you're feeling nervous or anxious. What can you do about it? Accept it. <laughs> okay. Accept it yeah. because it's, it's, a, it's, it's part a, of the thing. It's a natural yeah. response yeah. of your body to elevate your arousal levels in order to be prepared for the exam. You don't want to sit in the exam and fall asleep. <laughs> you, you want to be yeah. excited. You want to have elevated arousal levels um, in order to have the highest performance in that, in that moment. So really just think of the emotion as something that you have to just accept and something that could be beneficial or sh probably will be beneficial in that moment. Well, again, York, this is super fascinating and I hope that our listeners can benefit and really gain some knowledge and perspective from this. That's it for today. Thank you to our guest, Kiel Nurse. Thank you to York, my wingman. And thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts, any feedback about the podcast that you'd like to share, please drop us a line at podcast at redbull.com. Leave a note in the comment box on Spotify or a review on Apple. And don't miss the next episode with Alpine skier Marco Odermatt in a couple of days time. See you next time.